recording any of that? No, because we started riffing like. You gotta be right, ready. Right out of the gate. Sorry, I didn't realize that this was going somewhere. That was oh. interesting. I thought that, no, was, that was really, really interesting. No, that was really good. Welcome to Corporate Lunch, episode 130. Is that right? 130, yeah. And um, you'll never hear the last five minutes of conversation. We had probably the best five minutes of corporate lunch banter history uh, that's lost forever. Um, I mean, we've done 130 of these and not once have I forgotten to record like an entire episode. So I think I'm doing okay. (laughs) Yeah. That was the only good tape I've never gotten. And you have managed to get some bad tapes. So you win some, you lose some. Absolutely. There's a lot of times where I wish I was not recording. We once had to read, we had to retape a whole episode about pants. Well, no, it was, it might've been about jeans. I just remember we taped an episode about jeans and Noah was like, can we go get coffee? Like later in the afternoon. And we were like, okay, sure. And we got outside and Noah was like, you guys, we just, we got to redo that. that no. We did not, <laughs> we did not nail it when it came to jeans. Yeah, that I makes it that. seem like I care more about what we do here than I actually do, but it may have happened. And yeah, I mean, we have an extremely high standard of quality here. We're the premier um, fashion podcast on the internet. We are the, you know, we have to, we have to keep the bar high as we, you know, we have high expectations for quality and, and um, we try to make that pursue excellence you try to pursue excellence and with that in mind i'm gonna go grab my coffee you guys talk amongst yourselves feel free to set up the next the segments what we're going to talk about today i think starting with a big congratulations to virgil arnaud on his uh new position as a family arnaud family member and uh executive of cool exec uh chief executive of what at lvmh of he doesn't, well, he doesn't have, have an official it's title. Vibes. Vibes director? Chief Vibe Legend. Chief Vibe Legend is a good title. What would you say more accurately reflects your title? Like what, what is the truest way for you to describe your job? Hairfluencer. Mm-hmm. But, but you could say that about yourself too, right? Yeah. Fashion critic is pretty close to what you do every day. I would say that that's true, but I would also say that this is very much inspired by the Jawara, Tyler Mitcher, Mitchell, J.W. Anderson, Persol ads. You guys seen yeah, those? Those are great. Oh yeah. I've been silly yeah. great. Okay, well, maybe you shouldn't be on this episode. I don't know. What that's kind of what here? we're here to talk about. That's how I feel every time we do an episode. But you know, when I'm in the presence of you two, of two greats, easy to feel that way phoebe philo was the star of last week's fashion world and this week once again unsurprisingly it's virgil you know what i was thinking about what one of the first one of the first stories that i wrote when i became a full-time fashion writer which was at my previous job at garage magazine i think it was the very no it was probably the second or third piece i wrote anyways virgil just put out the 10 his first Nike collaboration. And I went to the talk that he gave and he spent the whole time talking about how he just wanted to be exactly like Phoebe Philo. And that was just the pinnacle of everything that he wanted in life. So do you, that's so fascinating to me, like kind of, you have to listen to last week's episode, but what do you think he meant by that? Like, I just think that to mean that he wants to like wear really chic trousers. 
Yeah, and I think he also just really liked the the sort of he seemed to admire the quietness with which she worked and she doesn't really over explain anything mm-hmm. which is funny because like Virgil's he's like kind of he talks a lot but he actually doesn't often explain what he's doing he tends yeah, he, to just sort of like move things along and ask more questions than he answers yeah he doesn't reveal things in a I don't know satisfying way which is I think extremely savvy on his part, right? Like there's so much demand for designers to speak and some will do what Daniel Lee does and not speak at all or hardly at all. I mean, I should not just Daniel Lee, but you know, the many famous designers before him, um, Ray Kaukuba or Margiela. Teddy Santos. <laughs> Teddy Santos. And, uh, I think recog- like what Virgil's done in terms of like the communication is, yeah, is a pretty has been a pretty smart move, really. Just flood the feeds, just just talk excessively and exuberantly, and put ideas out into the world, but don't don't ever let yourself get nailed down. Although I do think it like Vanessa Friedman. Every time the Times t- does a Virgil story, they mention his three percent that he like lives by this like 3% notion, which is that you only have to change a design 3% for it to be become something original, which is like a pretty provocative notion, but that's not like the foundation of what Virgil does. And he has done that. And there's some shadiness in Vanessa Freeman's story about him as there always is. Um, but I thought it was like a little unfair to try to, it's a little unfair to just peg him to that one thing he said, cause he said a lot of other stuff. He also, um, yeah, we should be pegging him to how he wants to be Phoebe Philo, which he said five years ago. Exactly. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should not be he, judged by the craziest thing we say at a Harvard GSD lecture. That's right. Yeah, Seriously. You know. But I thought, um, you know, in the most recent show that he did for Vuitton, which I thought was like one of the best shows he, he's ever done, maybe his best show ever, the one from a couple, I guess at this point, like a month ago, he had this this great part of his constantly updated show notes about how he really wants to treat fashion the way that music treats DJ culture and sampling. It's like, to him, that is like the concept. And so it seemed like he's pushed this 3% idea further and is like thinking about it more. So it feels kind of out of date also to talk about it in those terms. Yeah, exactly. It, it was something that he said a long time ago. I don't know. I mean, I think you know, in, in this, I only read one story about, about this week's Virgil news and it was the time story. So forgive me, but she also made a point to say something about the quotation marks and how he also often quotes other designers, basically suggesting plagiarism or, or that he frequently rips other designers off, which like that's, you know, plenty of people have debated that and worked that over, but like, come on, like, we don't, I don't think we're fair to Virgil. If you really like take a good look at what plenty of other designers are doing. And I don't mean like on diet Prada. I just mean like, I don't think that he's being judged in those terms the same way that plenty of other designers are, I guess. Like yeah. people, do, people do this. They, you know, Eddie Slimane did a thing and then every other designer in the world has been doing it for years ever since. It's, it's just, yeah, it is kind of part of the game, right? 
I think well, Virgil's you... work at, at Vuitton is looking more original than ever. Yeah, I think I so mean, it's too. Refer- it's starting to reference itself more than like the, the codes that he's building at the house. Like those are coming back up, but his collections don't feel like anything else out there. Off-white collections in the past certainly have, you know, borne some similarities to other designers' work, but that that's sort of more the point of off-white and less the point of Vuitton, you know? It's just not interesting to point fingers and say, well, this looks like that. Like, but I don't know, did he, did he do a good job or not? You know, like, is it interesting or not? It, like, it's more than just a referential. It's more than just similar to another thing. I just think people don't have other ideas. People have always lacked, there's always been a lack intentionally on Virgil's part of really thoughtful shit to say about his work because it's, it's difficult. You know, he does a lot of different things and he shares so much and he's all over the place. And, you know, often rather than think about it critically, he, people kind of say, oh, well, you stole this from another designer. End of discussion. What is that Instagram account you mentioned? Die Prada? Never, never heard of it. Yeah. So I don't, weird. I don't know. Someone, my what dad. What even is that? Yeah. Huh. Sounds whack. Well, what do you guys think? I think this is a really interesting move on the part of LVMH. Like to me, it's one, it's really encouraging because I think the way that LVMH has operated for the, as the way that LVMH operates now is the way that it has for a very long time, right? Since they first started acquiring like all the companies in the nineties mm-hmm. and the formula became like, okay, let's put Galliano at Dior and then we'll put McQueen at Givenchy and like now let's put Ricardo at Givenchy and blah, blah, blah. You know, this kind of very um, structured formulate way of doing things. And this to me suggests that they're going to shake up the, that sort of formula of how they are doing things. You mean by creating like entirely new, new types of positions for these people? Like, I think it's that they're creating entirely new positions, but also that everything is becoming less siloed. Like there's yeah. less of an idea that like Givenchy and Dior and Vuitton are all in competition with one another and more that they can like learn from each other. And this is something also that I think is happening at Karen with like the Gucci Balenciaga hacking I see. Yeah. I like the idea that Virgil is, is now going to uh, lord over Matthew Williams, Givenchy and get in there and start. Yeah. I mean, what's cool about the, yeah, what's cool about the appointment is that, um, you know, LVMH does that has done this a number of times in the past, right? Like Mark Jacobs, they appointed Mark Jacobs, the designer of Vuitton, and then they bought a big stake in Mark Jacobs, the brand. Yeah. They put Jada, they put Jonathan Anderson, you know, at the head of Lueve and they invested in JW Anderson, but they didn't just buy, like what's cool about this, right? Is that they didn't just buy Off-White they bought a majority stake in Off-White, but then they're giving Virgil this like as yet unnamed title where he's working across not just the brands, the, not just the fashion brands, but also like the liquor brands and the hotel brands. And yeah. like the whole, he has like, he seems to have like this really wide ranging remit within LVMH to like totally fuck shit up and create these sort of like cross, you know, like, I guess like cross pollinate, you know, these, these like different categories with each other, you know, like he's done and he's, it funny, funnily enough, he's like done a bunch of like beverage collaborations already, <laughs> like the Evian bottle and stuff like that. So like yeah. putting him in charge of some, like like giving him over some sort of oversight over the liquor brands is feel actually feels pretty like 
kind of like a no brainer, but um, it's hard to imagine yet, like what he will do with, you know, like that sort of like level of power, I guess. It's also interesting in how it, how it kind of shows us a little bit about how the company views Virgil's, what the company views as his like most valuable asset, you know, like what's his skill set, And it's like, not, it's not exactly making clothes, you know? And I, I mean that, like, I don't mean that in a, a negative way necessarily, but it's like Nicholas Gasquier or whatever, the guy who designs the women's line is like not getting this, this type of um, power at the company, you know, even though he's like cuts an amazing dress or whatever it is that he does. Um, but I think it's like a clear sort of admission, it's something we already knew and we already know about Virgil and about like his sort of role and what he's good at and what he does. But it did seem like it was really emphasizing like that this role will include things that don't just include that don't just involve fashion. Yeah. He seems like, um, I think one of the things he's really good at is sort of like world building, like in a certain way he has more in common with like a video game designer than other fashion designers. And you see this like more and more in the Vuitton collections in particular, like the last two, which were these very like immersive films that took place in these environments that were somewhat recognizable, but also like so clearly created by him. And like everything is, it's not even like everything is Vuitton branded. It's just like everything is his and like considered and created for this universe. Yeah. Um, which I think is really, it just shows like the level of his ambition. And his like just exorbitant creativity. How much? How much do you guys want to read into? Um, so tonight, this is going to be like this is coming later. So like, hope everyone enjoyed the new Kanye album and the listening party that uh, happened. That was just amazing. I can't believe what happened, and that it it that thing that it really ha did happen like that. But, it really did. Yeah. Um, if you, if you really want to get conspiratorial, like in a pretty fun way, Kanye coming back to Instagram, dropping a fit pick grid or whatever you call it, all caring brand, you know, Saint Laurent and Bottega, which I was like trying to think, I'm like, is, has he historically always been like more of a caring guy than an LVMH guy? And is there even a universe in which like people are one or the other? I mean, it seems insane to like align yourself with one of the other like giant global fashion conglomerates, but okay. If someone's going to, it would be Kanye. I mean, he did the Fendi internship with Virgil, right? He did the, the, the Vuitton sneaker collab. He was the Louis Vuitton Don. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's got history. Yeah. But I think, didn't he get burned by like, like that they had some sort of falling out. Right. So, and, and, and pre, like like three year, three or four years ago, even, I mean, I think he's always worn those sort of like coated, like waxed Saint Laurent jeans that yeah. were in the fit grid. But he used to wear those Bottega desert boots all the time, not the ones oh, that yeah. are that he's currently wearing, but like the old versions pre Daniel Lee. He That's would right. always like he turned those boots into like a big deal. Um, I totally forgot about those boots. Yeah, those were. And now he's just wearing this, and now he's wearing the supersized, you know, new Bottega versions. So you know, he does have some brand loyalty. Which you have to respect. It is well, very went, yeah. Go ahead. He went to he went to Demna's couture debut. True. I mean, you have to wonder, like, you know, he was also sort of like 
such a talent scout for Demna. And you have to wonder, like, did he, was he, did he whisper in the ear of the uh, Pino family and say like, oh, you should hire this guy or something? For Balenciaga, right. Cause it's yeah. a caring brand. Although Kanye doesn't wear Gucci. I guess Gucci's not very Kanye. I don't know, Kanye, what he, it seems like style, like the style thing is like he's throwing back to watch the throne era maybe. Like, was that the, I don't know, my Kanye history sucks. Like, was that the last time he dropped new music that like really made waves in a huge way? I guess not, but. That was a very Givenchy heavy era for Kanye, right? I guess it was just like the leather pants. I don't know, something about all of it. I was like, whoa, this feels like kind of throwback Kanye and made me think about how despite being like the most aggressive and big thinking and ambitious like fashion rapper ever, he's like been, he's like pretty consistent and he doesn't really change all that much. But I mean, what he wore at the, at the, this week, I just couldn't believe. You guys like the masks? I don't know. No, I just want to see his face, you know? Just want to see his face. Yeah, you get a lot from somebody's face. I want to see the sadness of a man who whose family abandoned him no i mean i lewis hamilton was at the uh he did an interview with interview magazine recently um the day after the balenciaga couture show and he and kanye were sitting in the same row lewis was being interviewed by law roach and uh he told law like yeah you know it was really nice to see kanye hadn't seen him in a while i didn't i'm not sure if it was actually kanye because he was the guy was wearing a a a full face mask but I, i think it was kanye uh, so I sort of like the conspiratorial, uh, you know, thing that I can engender that like there's some Kanye body double in a mask running around while Kanye is like perfecting the album. Don't you think he has like really specific like body type and body language that you see him even in a mask and you know it's him? I mean, he's performed in a mask and shit a lot, although. But you could put anyone under that big one size fits all gap, easy black yeah. puffer thing and just be like, yeah, of course it's Kanye. It's like an Andrew WK kind of thing. Remember? <laughs> Oh, I was going to say a Melania thing. I like that they're made out of old t-shirts. What are they? Wait, how do you know? What is it? They're old t-shirts. They're vintage band t-shirts that one of his Yeezy designers is like cutting down and sewing in the, the eye hole is a shrunken, um, is the shrunken neck, neck hole. Oh, I do like that he's just posting fit pics again. Oh, and he just like, he like everyone else, he's just wiping the gram. Yeah. What's with the gram wipe? Everyone's yeah, doing that now. Maybe we should do it. All three of us. Then you just delete such a crucial part of your history, your life. I mean. You don't have to delete. You can just archive. It'll be there. But can you, you can't reinstate it, can you? Yeah, you can. Oh, I don't I mean, it wouldn't matter if I did it, but. I think it would be interesting if you wiped it and then like did a full grid post of Sam. Uh-huh. Yeah. Big project, yeah. big project coming soon. And then just <laughs> a picture of every haircut Sam's had since I've known him. <laughs> right. What is that called where it's, it's a bunch of pictures to that together form one larger photo. Oh yeah. Like the famous like Barack Obama picture. I yes. Mean, I like the famous me. Barack Obama picture. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> It, make it a bunch of tiny pictures of me that uh-huh. add up to a photo of Sam. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Because mm-hmm. it's like, what is it saying? Like, we can't have Rachel without Sam, or is it that we can't have Sam without Rachel? I think it's saying both. So then what happened? 
<laughs> so we've determined that Kanye's fit pics are a shot at LVMH. And it's and there's also and it's also not Kanye, it's someone else, it's body double. Oh, right. So where I, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that, like the next layer of the conspiracy theory that we can all have some fun with right now, that's probably pretty bunk, is like Kanye. It's fun to imagine that Kanye feels very competitive with Virgil, right? That like as much as he's like supportive and as far as we know, they're still best buds, that there's some sense that like Kanye should be the one who is being celebrated and escalated through the highest echelons of, of the fashion uh, industrial complex. And which is like, you know, Virgil did all the things one would do to do that. Kanye did not. And yet you still wonder how Kanye read, feels when he reads like the new, you know, this week's news about Virgil and, and does his big caring branded uh, grid slash listening party album debut and everything. Could it be read as a response? It's not inconceivable that Virgil could end up being richer than Kanye, which is kind of crazy <laughs> to think about. I guess the thing that's an interesting contrast between the two of them is like, if you think about like what they're like, they have completely different kinds of influence on fashion. Like yeah. Virgil is, is shaping the fashion world, like the fashion world. And then I would say like young men who are obsessed with Virgil, but Kanye influences what people actually wear in yeah. this insane way that is like almost impossible to measure. Yeah. And that's part of that is like why he wants to be at the gap because that probably represents to him like the ultimate, you know, realization of that ambition. But I just, I've been thinking a lot recently about when he dressed because, you know, Phoebe Philo is, is back, I guess. So I was thinking about this when he, when he gave Kim that makeover and uh -huh. he dressed her in Celine and people were like, whoa, this is so crazy. But that completely changed women's fashion, I think. And I think it changed the whole world of fashion. It like made fashion collide with popular culture in this way that like we're still seeing the effects of now. Yeah. People are saying that Kim doesn't dress as well now since they broke up. Is that true? She has a, she has a stylist who um, is kind of known for like most of her other clients are, are football players, wives, like soccer players. Uh-huh. Wives. So um it's very like skin tight and scantily clad. But it's a post-divorce look. Oh, right. Intentionally so. Yeah. yeah, I think um yeah, I think everything you're saying sounds exactly right about Kanye's influence. I also saw a really cool rumor on uh HF Instagram today. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh which was that apparently in like 2017, Kanye's team reached out to Wolford and said like, oh, we're doing this like archival project. Can we come in and take pictures of, of your shapewear? And they said, sure. And then he invented Skims with Kim like mm -hmm. a year later. Smart. So Virgil's not the only one who copies is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a few, a few stories of Kanye himself or Kanye sort of assistants or shoppers going to places and like buying one of everything. 
He's doing his research, you know? I mean, I was going to say, I, you know, the skims thing is one thing, but I, most of Kanye's output as a fashion designer seems, I don't know, I'll probably get skewered for saying this, but seems pretty original to me. I don't know. What are his big influences? Like Helmut Lang? I don't know. All I can think of right now is just like sweatsuits in different earth tones, but. <laughs> Which is when you go to the airport, everyone is wearing Yeezy. Yeah. And every shoe looks like some version of a Yeezy, of a Yeezy shoe. Yeah. I mean, most when I was listening to that Christian podcast in which they discuss corporate lunch. <laughs> the caption for that podcast, the screen grab, I said something I would never listen to says something about this guy's going to destroy everything, you know, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Well, he's he just saying that Kanye's fits are trash or something. I don't know. No, what? no, he was just saying that, like, he says so often, you know, he'll be he's in church and he'll see someone wearing yeezys and they're um like dissing nike sneakers and he's like those are based on nike sneakers you know who's not wearing um a mask on their entire head made out of old t-shirts most people in new york (laughs) they're not wearing any clothes at all i i've tracked i've personally tracked that people are not wearing clothes but i think it's awesome to sure. me, it's really exciting. Doesn't that happen every summer, though? Yeah. Where did does. this? Sorry, where did for the for the listeners at home? Where did this observation originate? In well, I'll tell you what, Sam. I'll tell you what. Me. <laughs> what did you say? Me. A couple weeks. A couple weeks ago, I wrote about <laughs> transparent clothing. That's right. Yeah. And did. like how you should just like wear your underwear. And like put something over it, maybe, but you don't have to. Like Kate Moss wearing Prada in 1995. But in fact, this story that we are, um, I suppose, discussing is a New York Times style section story about people who are scantily clad in New York. I was actually thinking over the weekend, um, instead of like reading or writing or like talking to my friends, I was thinking of things that I might tweet this week. And one of them was, the style section needs to do a story about how everyone is wearing a crop top and has a dachshund and call it La Belle Epoque. <laughs> <laughs> this was, this is, I guess, the closest we're going to get. But then I Why did end up, well, I ended up, you know, tweeting. There was, this, there was a part of the story in which um, a, a very well-known department store buyer said that but this was kind of in guide for Bay's words, but the reporter's words, but he, he implied that she said that, that the sort of like crop tops and underwear made her feel like a decline of civic pride. <laughs> Which is really amazing. I mean, I think it, it makes me feel like so excited to live in New York that everyone's naked. Yeah, you know, makes- like now finally I have something cool to tell my children. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't wait to finally wear, I mean, your um, Opulent Tips newsletter about wearing your underwear and translucent clothing inspired me to finally wear my Raph Simmons Spring Summer 20, my own private Antwerp boxers out for a coffee. So thank you. I wear those every day. Yeah, they're fucking sick. Those are like my favorite. But I suppose when you wear them, it really looks like you're wearing your boxers and people are like, oh, wow, Sam's out in his underwear. So much more bold for you to do it than me. Yeah, do you wear underwear under the underwear? Do you double? Yeah, you wear them like short. I wear them like I would wear a pair of 
Bodhi rugby shorts or something. Do you think that, do you think that like now that we've, you know, the New York Times, the paper record has declared that this is happening, is the next step just like men porky picking it? (laughs) That's a shirt with no pants. Yeah. Like, but, but uh, maybe just a jacket, like you wear a quilted Bodhi jacket, nothing else. I call it the Winnie the Pooh. I guess it's Porky Pig, Winnie the Pooh, same idea. Yeah, although if you're going to do Winnie the Pooh, you have to have a, a big ceramic jar. <laughs> yeah. I think the big top or big like coat, tiny shorts thing is really awesome. And, yeah, like, very Ralph Simmons. Very yeah. fun proportions. But I do think, I, I think what men are doing, which was maybe mentioned in the Trebay piece, I haven't read it yet, is, is the crop top. A lot of a lot of dude crop tops out there that I'm seeing this summer. I've seen that too. Like instead of taking your vintage t-shirt and turning it into a mask, you can just cut the bottom like four inches off of it and wear it as normal. And that I can actually get behind. Every summer in New York around this time, it gets very hot because it's summer and people start wearing crazy shit. And uh, and the Times is on it. And the Times is on it. Thanks very much. I want to know what the people waiting 12 hours in front of the ALD store are wearing. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> sent me the, the night before the night before the new American sportswear story went up. Someone sent me a fake New York post mock-up that said man dies after waiting outside of ALD store for 48 hours. And I started freaking out that it was real. <laughs> and I got so, I was like, oh my God, I've written this story about how cool it is to be outside of this store. And someone died. What are all the people doing outside the a- Amy Leon door store? Well, they're they're live they're all alive. I'll, I'll tell you that they're not dead. Yeah, people just I I mean, I just for I I think for maybe six weeks I went there every week at least once a week, and people just sit there. They're just hanging out in their crop tops with their dachshunds, having tea. Teddy yeah. is almost always there. Yeah. You can walk up to him and talk to him. People Except berate for him for, yeah, I, I am not allowed as a reporter, but people will berate him for things like not coming in the color way that they want. <laughs> that's good. I love I that. Just like having the balls to show up to your store. That's just like mobbed every day. And like, like to get yelled at by people who like want a t-shirt that they can't have. It's a pretty amazing thing that he successfully like made the store a hangout. Like every time a new like boutique opens or like a brand store opens, they're like, really? It's like a clubhouse for us and our friends to come and like get creative and hang out. And it's like very rare that that actually ever happens. You're like, who's hanging out here? It's just like the employees and their goon friends. And but this has like really become kind of a hot spot. I'll go ahead and say sort of a despicable one. I think that it attracts as sort of an unsavory type of character, a certain type of downtown hanger on who isn't exactly, you know, who's more there to pose and appear to be a fixture or a, or part of a scene that's sort of all kind of fabricated and based on the pretense of sort of Instagram or like buying and selling clothes on Grailed or just being a huge cornball that's my take i think rachel put it nicely in her uh big honking new american sportswear feature which is why we're talking about ald yeah let's get um, to the that dropped this week when she said that ald seems to bring instagram to life 
Like, I think it's the clothing equivalent of laying out like the book everyone is reading, a matcha latte from Cha Cha Matcha, and like, you know, a, a single uh, like white lily and taking a picture of it on a pink table. Like, it's that kind of like, I'm assembling all the right things and I'm doing them in this very specific calibrated way. Yeah. And the scene outside is like a microcosm of like an aspirational millennial lifestyle. Can you get an Aperol spritz there or an espresso martini? No, no alcohol. BYO. But if you, if you get in with Teddy, he might give you some bread. <laughs> it's not on the menu. You can't just go up there and order it. It's toast. <laughs> so you can stand yeah. on the hot, you can stand on the hot yeah. sidewalk and, and eat toast. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And the woman who brings it to you, incidentally, is usually wearing Noah pants. Really? Yeah. Arch rivals. Downtown rivals on this scene. What are they? What street is that? Eldridge or where are they? It's Mulberry. 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 And they're almost catty corner to one another. It is interesting. When the ALD store opened, there was beef because the folks from Noah believed that they had ripped off their sort of design, their aesthetic. Both of which the leather, yeah, the leather sofa and the big paisley rug. And was it something? I guess the exteriors are quite different, but I thought there was something with awnings or. But I guess it was the interior. I mean, they both both look like they could be Ralph, part of like the Ralph Lauren mansion, anyway. (laughs) Extended universe. Um, Yeah, I I think also like there's been some sort of uh, traveling back and forth between the the teams of those two respective brands. Like I think ALD has poached some of Noah's design team. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's quite fascinating to look at those two together. And I think, so Rachel did this story, the new American sportswear that we worked on for months and months and months. And I think, you know, the big idea I think was just that the most exciting and convincing designers working in fashion today are sort of all American. Um, they're all based in American and um, like the- They're des- all making men's clothing. Yeah, menswear designers. The designers that seem to have like real influence on what people wear and buy, like how people want to look. And it's, and um, ALD is undoubtedly one of those brands for sure. And um, as is Noah. And, um, but obviously they they come with a really different- <laughs> approach to doing this like i don't know does ald ever share or make statements about i don't know i don't politics or ethical moral issues related to shopping and buying and making clothes or anything like that does what's what's teddy's uh platform the platform is the clothing that he's from new york right queens red Porsche. Yeah. yeah Reminds me of someone else. Does another New York designer who a certain Ralph Lauren. I was talking about Ronnie Fike, but yeah. I, I was thinking of <laughs> Oh <Taylor>. no. <laughs> I have a hard time understanding the difference between Ronnie and Teddy and Kith and ALD. I mean, I ALD, I get it, is this more like refined thing. It's much more like a Ralph thing. And Teddy, I mean, Kith is like Tommy Hilfiger and <laughs> ALD is like polo or something. Kith is like sporty and crazier and there's cereal. Somehow there's a lot of cereal and then ALD is, is preppy and there's a lot of bread. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Two grain forward New York brands. And then 
Noah is like pole caught canned fish. Noah's got to start slinging some like Noah, Noah's hot girl food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Noah's should sell slushies and canned tuna and call it like the hot girl brunch. But <laughs> what what we did with this piece and what Rachel did sort of brilliantly is like also, you also have to talk about like Telfar and Ekao Salata and even Todd Snyder, a name I, I frequently get wrong. And, um, and the rest of the, you know, American fashion landscape that, all of these like sort of super niche, but like very influential brands, uh, Fear of God, John Elliott, you know, people who really like really shape the way people dress around the world and shape the way fashion brands are run. 18 East for sure, you know, a small brand, but like you can't not look at what Antonio is doing and think like, this is the future of fashion. Like you could be, you could be JW Anderson. And I think, and look at 18 East and be like, wow, this is a really smart and cool way to do this. Well, I think the the other thing that was so intriguing about this group of designers is that most of them did something else first that, and that failed. Yeah. Um, or like in the case of like someone like Jerry Lorenzo was doing one thing and then got himself into the position where he could finally do like exactly every single thing that he wanted to do. So it really is like, you know, when you think about how typically how fashion brands are formed and there aren't that many new fashion brands that are formed anymore, like they're usually like created around a single designer or some kind of ethos. And this was more like, in a certain way, a lot of these brands are just really pragmatic, you know, like they're all very creative, but you know, Brendan McBenzian said this, that like the way that he conducts his business is actually the most creative part of it. Um, And even if you look at like, it was interesting to like go back and like look at the collections of all these designers while working on this, because I realized with like someone like Eckhouse Lada, like they have a lot more in common with like Noah and J. Crew than they do with like the funkier sort of um, brands that we might tend to lump them in with. Yeah. Um, and it really is this like extremely like American idea of making clothing that each of them is doing in their own particular way. The other thing though, that I think was really cool about doing this story is that we tend to like, this is true of us. I think it's also true of like a lot of other magazines. It's like most fashion journalism happens where you're profiling one person. Yeah. And you're trying to explain one person or one brand and what they do and what they represent and how they're in this moment of change or they're in this moment of stagnation, um, whatever. This piece was much more about like this group of brands that we all pay attention to, that we wear, who we're really interested in, who we cover like every day on the site and what they all sort of of have in common and like bringing them all together in one place and creating this like big thesis about what it means for American fashion, Um, which was also kind of, sorry, go ahead now. I was just going to say like, it's called the new American sportswear because I think what we think of as the like previous iteration of American sportswear was Tommy Hilfiger and Polo and Nautica. And to some extent, like Eddie Bauer and um, the gap and J crew and, 
it was shopping in malls and from like mail order catalogs, I suppose, but it was department stores and malls and like a whole culture around it. I mean, like skaters were wearing that stuff and like preppy kids were wearing that stuff and kids at hardcore shows to some extent were wearing that stuff. And like, there's a real, and then there was sort of a lull in American fashion. I think I just, I mean, stuff happened, cool stuff happened between that moment of the whatever late nineties and now, but now I think is the first time since then where you've had, you have this like whole new crop of designers and brands that have that kind of influence and like grasp on both subcultures and the masses. And it's like, this is how people dress. This is, these are the brands people want to wear. People wear them together. And, um, you know, people still wear polo. And I think Tommy and Nautica as like, as like retro brands have their moments of whatever, but, and then of course, you know, to neatly tie that all up, you have Brendan Babenzian going to take over things at J crew and all these guys having these positions at big sports rare brands and stuff. I think really like make the point, you know, New Balance, Adidas, Reebok, Uggs, Ugg. What is it called? I never know. It's called Ugg, right? Ugg. Yeah, the 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 ultimate ambition of these designers is really not to take over a European house. It's not to get that big LVMH buyout like Virgil. It's to get the big Reebok job, the big New Balance job, the big Nike job, you know. It's also to, yeah, to be a, to have like an in-house position, not to do a collaboration, I guess. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, Corporate Lunch is hiring a creative, we're looking to hire a creative director. It's made, we don't, we don't pay or anything. It's not an official. We're going to open the Corporate Lunch Cafe on <laughs> Mulberry Street. What should we serve? <laughs> Let's serve Hot Pockets. We're looking for toast artists. Yeah, it's a, we'll write your name on the toast. We'll make you a latte with Rachel's face in it. Yes. Portrait latte art. That's what, that's the game we're getting into. And for $600, you can get Sam Hines haircut. You have to go into like a room in the back and no one will get to see how it's done or who does it, but it'll be. Remember, remember like in the two thousands, like the mid two thousands, when every store that opened had a bar and a barber shop in it. Yeah. Yeah. That was just the way it was. Yeah, there was a real craze for barbershops. People really went nuts for barbershops. Yeah. That was back when haircuts required like a bi-weekly shape up, you know? Yeah, you needed to find a man who was extremely skilled with clippers and had very hot menthol-flavored towels and um, cocktails. <laughs> A tattoo of like a mermaid on his forearm. Yeah, a mermaid on one arm and like a scissor or like a um, razor blade on the other arm. Grab your monocle magazine, your whiskey. Mm -hmm. It was a real moment. I much prefer the, the freakier new era of hair care. You know, that's for another time. That's for the hair episode. Did we cover all of the week's big news, folks? Do you guys think LVMH is going to buy a steak and a leaks? Or do you think, uh, and, oh, and what do you question. think it says? What do you think it says if they don't? Well, they waited a while to acquire a stake in Off-White. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really worry me. I'll tell you what, I think the Alix Mono is like the coolest shoe on the market right now. Yeah, oh, I really want some of those. Another beautiful episode of Corporate Lunch, America's number one podcast about hair, hair care, and uh, fashion news. 
We'll be back next time to talk about God knows what. Um, Phoebe Philo won last week. Virgil won this week. Who is going to win next week? Find out. He's going to get the big old LVMH bag next week. Tune in to find out. See you guys later. Bye.